You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to the audio version of the Church Doctor Report, presented by Kent Hunter. Welcome to the November-December 2021 edition of the Church Doctor Report. Our subject is Reaching Unbelievers, the Strategic, Powerful, and Missing Peace. Jim and his wife, Barb, are active members of their church. They are regular attenders in worship and active in some of the ministries. Yet, they are challenged by the persistent decline of their congregation over the last 20 years. They've watched the aging of their congregation, far more older people than younger. That's why they asked Dr. Art to join them for breakfast. Art is a well-known as a missionary from Africa. He recently retired and returned to his home in the same city where Jim and Barb's church is located. Jim and Barb met with Art for breakfast, hoping to learn how they could help turn around the decline of their congregation. After they ordered breakfast, Jim framed the issue that brought them together. He said, Art, our church has been declining and aging for almost 20 years. If it continues, our church will dwindle to a level that is not sustainable. I fear for our church and that it will run out of people and, well, close, like a couple of other churches in this city. We, um, Jim searched for the painful words, uh, We, well, our church will go out of business. Art, we're looking at the death of our congregation. Jim and Barb were not prepared for Art's response. In fact, they had never thought about it. Look, I mean no offense, said Art, but you're focused on the wrong thing. You are looking for ways to keep your church, the organization, from going under. Art had their attention, but they wondered if he understood or appreciated how much they loved their church. Let me explain it this way, Art continued. It's normal to fall in love with your church. It's a good thing, and it's great that you have so many fond memories. And your church has meant so much to you. But focusing on keeping the church for us, those who are already there, may not be the way toward turning it around. Well, I don't know what you mean, remarked Barb. Well, Art continued, think about a couple of things Jesus said. I'm sure you've heard it before. Remember when Peter confessed that Jesus was the Son of God? Jesus said, On this rock, on Peter's testimony, I will build my church. Also, remember when the Lord said, I have come to seek and save the lost? Jesus' focus was reaching people. His passion was that those who don't know him become believers and receive forgiveness 
and new life. His focus, his passion, his energy was to change lives for eternity. Jesus' approach wasn't to just grow churches. That was just the result. Think about it. Most churches today are birthed with a group of believers who have a passion to reach lost people. That should be no surprise. God blesses that, too. The result, the church grows as new people come to Christ. As this process continues, the local church grows in size. The number of people gets larger. That's when a subtle shift takes place. The energy for mission diminishes as the effort toward ministry increases. The larger crowd requires more effort. The focus on outreach declines. The staff grows larger, and the trend towards spiritual consumerism grows. This is very subtle, but very powerful. The movement dimension of Christianity becomes more focused on maintenance. The end result is predictable. Less effort toward outreach slowly refashions the local church from growth to maintenance. Not entirely, never entirely, but the proportion of emphasis shifts from outreach to organization. There are several connected drift areas that make up the subtle shift from mission to maintenance. Each one is a drift from key biblical components of the movement Jesus launched. Let's look at them. Number one, from discipling to content download. Learning all you can from Scripture is powerful. Preaching is a key ingredient. However, when on-the-job discipling to do ministry is greatly reduced to primarily hearing biblical content, the multiplication of ministry suffers. In some ways, from a human perspective, it makes no sense that Jesus would spend most of his time and effort equipping 12 guys. Yet, what he did is he multiplied himself. And beyond that, they became multipliers. The Christian movement, by design, moves forward by exponential growth, or multiplication times multiplication. When a local church reduces this to growth by addition, sooner or later, decline is in the forecast. Number two, from priesthood of believers to organizational volunteers. In Scripture, it is clear Every Christ follower is a minister. This is a supernatural reality. Every believer has a unique set of spiritual gifts fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a great leap toward consumerism to fade from ministers to members, pastored as consumers. It's great that most pew sitters give money to keep the doors open and the machinery moving. However, there are declining and dying churches everywhere that have a large endowment 
yet no future. There may be money to pay staff, but no equipped members to reach out to the dozens of people in their social networks who are far from God. Number three, from living organism, the body of Christ, to religious corporation. In the New Testament, several metaphors describe the most unique group of movement people on earth, the local church. It is described as the body of Christ, a living temple of living stones, the bride of Christ, the sheep of the shepherd, the household of God with brothers and sisters, and many more. Nowhere is the church described as a corporate entity. Yet most churches follow constitutional rules, laws, and bylaws as if they were sacred. The family of God gets paralyzed in politics. There is no shred of evidence in Scripture that even hints of the church operating with motions, votes, majority rules, or parliamentary procedure. Instead, God's people are called to ministry, not elected. They are gifted for service, not ratified by a quorum. Decisions are made through prayer and by searching the wisdom of, the, of God in the Scripture. There are no boards, consistories, directors, or councils. There are, in the early church and in the Bible, councils spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L-S because they were those who took counsel from the Word of God. But no one votes. They pray. Back to Art and Jim and Barb. After Art shared his opening remarks with Jim and Barb, he spoke from his heart and his experience as a missionary. Jim and Barb, what I have to share with you may not help your church at this point, but it could. To explain, let me tell you how I became a missionary and what I learned. Jim and Barb, do you know much about the history of the expansion of Christianity over the centuries? Jim and Barb shook their heads no, but were intrigued, wondering where Art was going with this. Well, Art continued, in the very early days of the Christian faith, the church grew rapidly, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then even Samaria, which was a very different culture. Art continued, during the apostles, the apostle Paul's lifetime, it spread to Corinth, Galatia, and several places, even to Rome. Paul wrote letters to those churches. They were probably not one huge church, but many house churches in those places. They were started by the disciples and second-generation disciples, sometimes called apostles. 
By the second and third centuries after Jesus, the Mediterranean world had many Christians. The movement grew like wildfire. Why? The mission principles of Jesus and the apostles were still fresh. People learned the biblical principles of what today we call missiology, the biblical approaches that work to reach unbelievers and make disciples who make disciples. Multiplication. Did you know that? Jim and Barb shook their heads in the negative. They had never heard or even thought about it. Art continued. Have you guys been to Europe? Jim and Barb nodded in the affirmative. Well, did you see those great cathedrals? Art asked. Yeah, replied Jim. They are amazing. Yeah, said Art. Those people were really committed to the Christian faith. Some were Catholics who were not former Christians. Others were Protestants from the Reformation. Art paused and then asked, How many people did you see worshiping on Sunday or at any other time in those cathedrals in Europe? Barb and Jim responded in unison, Almost none. Art continued, Here's what I think happens. And it's the biggest cause of the decline of Christianity, in my opinion. It seems like the Christian faith grows, flourishes, and then wanes. Think about England or Australia or the U.S. or Canada. Yet today, the church is growing like wildfire in some places in Africa and South America. What do you think happens? Jim and Barb's minds were racing with thoughts, curious about where Art was going with all this. What does happen, they wondered out loud. Art continued, I think that when Christianity gets established in an area of the world, the Christians subconsciously think about the mission field as only over there somewhere, far away. So they quit training their pastors in missiology, the biblical teachings about missions. The pastors are trained in a little evangelism, but basically their education is focused on how to manage Christians. If they aren't trained in missions, they can't train their people in missions. So churches are well-managed, but somewhat ineffective in reaching unbelievers. Eventually, those in the church grow older. Their kids move away, and the church has more funerals than baptisms. The church is on its way to decline and ultimate death. Jim jumped into Art's challenging comments. But, he said, there are some great growing churches. We saw some in England. They aren't a majority, but they're growing, reaching people of all ages, a lot of young people. And we have quite a few outstanding churches like that in America. And not the majority by any means, but how do you explain that, Art? Art continued, that's right, Jim. There are exceptions. Thank the Lord for that. 
But if you dig deeper, those lead pastors of those churches somehow, somewhere, got mission training, the biblical teaching of missiology. For example, do you know the name Rick Warren, Saddleback Church? Jim and Barb both shook their heads with a yes. Well, Art said, Rick was a classmate of mine in mission school. God has used Rick to reach thousands of people for Christ, many of them as first-time believers. He has also multiplied that church through several other campuses. Those pastors, they get it. They have caught the art and discipline of missiology from Rick. There are others who are well-known pastors who, on their own, have read books, they've gone to conferences, they have visited growing churches, and, through a lot of work, they have learned the discipline of missiology, even though they didn't get it in Bible college or seminary. But in truth, the vast majority of pastors have had no training in missions, so they can't equip their people. Over time, their churches plateau, decline, and die. The Christian movement in the country begins to lose momentum. For example, do you know that the number of people in America who say they happen to belong to a church, or even a synagogue or mosque, has declined from 70% in the 1960s to below 50% for the first time since they started tracking churches in 1937. Jim and Barb were stunned. Art continued, Every aspect of mission training is in Scripture. It is just scattered all over the place. It also needs to be unpacked and organized in a practical way. And that's what the teaching of missiology does. It also takes time to learn this discipline. That is why pastors who graduate from Bible colleges and seminaries attend mission school if and only, usually only if, they feel called to a foreign mission field. For those who are called to serve in their own country, their exposure to missiology is very limited. For most Christians, it takes two to three years to learn missiology on a part-time basis. But it can happen. It can be done. Those who are retired and have more free time can learn missiology in a much shorter period of time. You see, Jim and Barb, missiology is practical. It comes from the Bible, but it requires unpacking to understand and especially to apply. Any Christ follower can overcome the challenge to learn and apply missiology. And when they do, they can disciple others. And in time, a mission movement can take place in your church. You know, the scripture says, all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. 
That's in Luke 15:7. When churches grow, it is really exciting for everyone in the church as well. You can replace the strategic, powerful, missing piece. It can begin with you. And it won't end there. Jim and Barb thought about what Dr. Art said. I wonder if our church could offer mission training. There must be some people who would be interested. A few trained missionaries could make a big difference. Well, that's it for the issue, this issue of the Church Doctor Report. I hope it makes you think. There's some real wisdom there. Reaching unbelievers, the strategic, powerful, and missing peace. Pray about it. Think about it. Talk about it at church. It could open a whole new door. A whole new decade of growth for your congregation. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the audio version of the Church Doctor Report. If you would like to receive the written version in your email, please sign up by going to www.churchdoctor.org. If you've enjoyed this teaching, please share it with others and encourage them to subscribe. Thank you, and God bless.